Next Chapter Podcasts. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. No one, and I mean no one listening to this song, will be able to get this out of their head for the next two days. One of the things that I love about you that you guys have been doing for years that I somehow joined in you on. You are so. <clears throat> which Ladies is... and gentlemen, coming up later on the show. Johnny Carson introducing obscure NBA players who will later be coming on the show and performing. Jorge Murasan will be taking a shit in a bucket and then dumping it on Ed. It's called a dirty Jorge. Later on the show, Vinny the Microwave Johnson will be farting in my mouth. Stay with us, Mahmoud Abdul-Rauf will be standing on American flag giving someone a golden shot. Stay tuned, we've got Yingadare sucking the dick of Vinny Del Negro. <laughs> he rests the day. Uh, Heavy Metal Drummer. It's by Wilco off their 2001 album, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. And it's number 493 out of 500 on The 500 with Josh Adam Myers. And that's me. Even though you can't recognize my voice, it is your host, Josh Adam Myers. I know right now there's like people listening that are like, Josh, swallow. Just swallow. You got phlegm in your throat. I don't have phlegm in my throat. I'm sick, everybody. And uh, I lost my voice. So uh, we're going to make this one short and sweet. Thank you guys for tuning in to the only podcast that goes through Rolling Stone Magazine's list of the 500 greatest albums. And we start at Five Honey, and we're working our way down to Numero Uno over the next 9.61 years. So we're down to the final episodes, guys. You only got 492 more episodes to go. Thank you, everybody, for your comments about the Gareth Reynolds episode. It was so much fun to tape. That dude is hysterical. I love him to death, and I love all of you for listening. This week's guests are my blood brothers in comedy, one of the best comedy duos I have ever seen, the Sklar Brothers. I can never say their name right. Sklar. Sklar Brothers. Randy and Jason are the hosts of the wildly successful podcast, Dumb People Town, that they co-host with Daniel Van Kirk. They also have views from the cheap seats. They also have a brand new special on stars called Hipster Ghost. Guys, two of the funniest guys I know. I have such a connection with them. So it was an honor to get them on to tape this album because they are so impacted by Wilco Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Don't forget to stay to the end of the episode, guys, where I spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by Wilco. Also, rate, review, and most importantly, please subscribe to The 500. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. 
Email the podcast at 500podcast.com. And for all things 500, go to our website, the500podcast.com. You know I want to talk more, but let's just get to the podcast. So without further ado, here we go with number 493 out of 500 with Yankee Hotel Foxtrot by Wilco. The Sklaw Brothers, I'm sitting down with the Sklaw Brothers, the Sklaw Brothers, Sklaw, 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 Sklaw. Usually people join in when I'm singing their name. You know what, so, can I be honest with you guys, because yes. I, I, for the longest time, I love you guys so much, but I I constantly want to say Sklaw. Which, okay, so the, the, the brief story yeah. of that and why you're right uh-huh. and we're you're gonna tell to we're it. gonna tell you why your instincts are correct Please. and and who else believes it should be that way and it will make you feel more emboldened with your claim Jesse. I, had, I had to make a pee and i was near a store called james purse a very expensive oh store. i know this store it's on highland uh there is one on highland and there's also one on melrose over near like dantana's and near okay. the troubadour so I go in and I come out of the bathroom. There's no one in the store but one person. There's a there's shopkeeper. I know that's not what they call it, but there's a woman Shop who's working keep. at the store. And then there's Denzel fucking Motherfucking Washington. Washington in the store. So I <laughs> I go I just I don't know. I started I'm like I got to talk to this dude cuz like when am I ever going to see Denzel Washington? Yeah. We start we strike up a conversation. We're just talking about the stuff. He's like, "Have you had these shirts before?" He actually started talking to me. I was like, "Yeah, I got one of these things for okay. a birthday party." Start rapping. We talk about football, we talk about sports, we talk about his son like plays sports. Sports and and I was like, you know, we did my brother and I did a show on ESPN. He's like, "Yeah, I remember that show." He's like, "What are your what are your names again?" And I'm like, "We're the Scalar Brothers." And he just looked at me and he was like, "The Scalar Brothers." The skull. The skull. Like, there is not another syllable, but there fucking is now. You just added a syllable, Denzel Washington. Oh, brothers. I was like, I literally, I suddenly was like, do I have to play basketball to get you out of prison? What is going oh, on? Right now? Oh my god! Well, it was so Jesus beautiful. And I'm really cry. Jesus, don't cry, Shuttlesworth. I can't. I can't believe that none of you have given me this the Marcine Gortat. Sure, no, this isn't a Gortat. This that is, a is George Murison. George Murison, my giant. Lego, Lego Murison. He's your giant. Because one of the one of the things that I love about you that you guys have been doing for years that I somehow joined in on. You are so. Which Ladies is... and gentlemen, coming up later on the show. Johnny Carson introducing obscure NBA players who will later be coming on the show and performing. Jorge Murison will be taking a shit in a bucket and then dumping it on Ed. It's called a dirty Jorge. Later on the show, Vinny the Microwave Johnson will be farting in my mouth. Stay with us. Mahmoud abdul Rauf will be standing on American flag giving someone a golden shower. Stay tuned. We've got Yingadare sucking the dick of Vinny Del Negro. <laughs> may he rest in peace. Uh, I was going to say both of them may they rest in peace. I know Vinny, Vinny Del Negro is not dead. <laughs> Nel Degra. Nel Degra. <laughs> Vinny Del Negro is not dead. I just want him to get a good night's sleep. <laughs> Let's mm-hmm. get into the history of you guys. With, with your taste in music sure. because because I, I <laughs> we're going to bring up this term later but mm-hmm. uh, there's a term that Jeff Tweedy hates mm-hmm. uh, that he classifies his people classify his music as dad rock yeah and, I uh, hate that yeah but you know I kind of okay. I kind uh, of you guys once sent me a clip of Jethro Tull yeah and I, I was like what the fuck oh, I mean no, like I sent you Jethro Tull him, him 43 <laughs> it's a great it's a great 
Your father out in heaven. Well, tell me about. So, I mean, you guys grow. You were you're born in St. Louis, right? Born in St. Louis. So, so, so heavily, tell us about your. Yeah. So, so we grew up in the '80s. We're 46, almost 47, and so. You know, heavily influenced came by of cl- age like when Boston was big and when Journey. Our, what I love about Journey is on the Evolution album they had uh, "Love and Touch and Squeezing into City of the Angels. Can you imagine? It's like that title is just so hashtag Me Too, and it's like <laughs> like nobody's calling out any of this. Shows. Love yeah, and Touch and that's, Squeeze. That's the song that they played when Brett Kavanaugh was uh, sworn in. So. Uh, <laughs> So we our, our attitude was like We love classic rock That's what we grew up on Like Memorial Day weekend We would just listen to Like the greatest classic rock songs Of all time And it would be the same top ten So our first concert We ever went to Was in 1982 Loverboy and Joan Jett Which I would say Go back and listen to Turn Reno fucking lays out on every not, single I, song. Is this Loverboy? Lover yeah. I, I just don't know him. I know uh, I know Joan Jett, but working it's like, for the weekend. I do know that. No, no, no. I probably if, if you played the turn song, me turn me loose. Don't is, know that one. Oh my god, turn Maybe. me loose. Is there, turn me it, loose. Is sing fun. it. How's it go? Why don't you turn me loose, oh, Peter? So Peter, play a little bit of Turn Me Loose. Jesus, I know. Please don't Crushed play it, uh, Peter. Don't play. All right, we, people have already turned off the podcast. No. How bad we are. All right, <laughs> listen. Here, so we got really into reggae, reggae music, like Bob Marley. Deep into Bob Marley. Oh, I, thought, I thought you said Reagan music. Reagan. I, was like, I was like, what is Ronald Reagan music? Reagan, a lot of, lot of, oh, the trickle down theory. <laughs> it's the trickle down theory. Brady got shot in the head. Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> supply side economics. Tear down that wall! Tear down that wall! Mr. Gorbachev. Down theory. I'm a little hinkly. I'm a little hinkly. <laughs> <laughs> For your life, duck. <laughs> Take him to the naval hospital before he dies, duck. <laughs> Jesus Christ duck. is too hinkly. What Hink- was the album we have to do today? The Hinkley, the Hinkley Chronicles. <laughs> this is a, another thing that sort of informed our musical taste. We went up to Canton, Ohio, where our mom's parents lived, and then our uncle and aunt and uncle lived across the street from them. And aunt and uncle had cable long before we had cable, or anybody we knew sure, had cable yeah. TV. It's like eighty. Like 81, 82, like, so, and they had MTV. They had MTV at their house. And I remember turning it on, and we would watch whatever 20 videos were in rotation. There were only, like, We'd 20. watch for, like, three hours Three hours time. straight. So yeah. we'd watch Love is a Battlefield, the Tom Petty, You Got Lucky, like, that. Yeah, well, you're, yeah you're watching, like, the, the beginning core, of it. Yeah. ABC, of Look of Love. Yeah. Like, I just remember being in our aunt and uncle's house and watching all of those videos over and over again and thinking to myself, this is amazing. So that kind of propelled us into college. Then we moved to New York, and we started to lean towards our buddy who we lived with. Uh, Eric Friedman, a great dude, a writer out here in L.A. He worked for his college radio station. And in his college radio station, he, like... Which is always great, because, like, they had access to music. To all that a lot of the people... alt music that, like, 
like great stuff that we started to like really dig into and we started to it, it, our 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 taste started to change like i remember i had a girlfriend when i went to israel who got me into the jayhawks so the jayhawks were a band out of minneapolis that i started to love and then the judy bats good oh, love being good simple. at being simple i mean it was a great so that kind this is, of this sounds like music that, that that like a professor smokes a joint and then grades like philosophy right, essays. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I'm in. You, oh God! Okay. I, I love, love everything read. you just said. If a tweed <laughs> if a tweed jacket could be a, uh, an yeah, album, yeah. So that would be it. So we so we were listening to that in New York, and we were kind of like that opened the door for us to listen to the country rock. Sure. So we so we got a little bit into. A.M. Isn't that the, the yeah, first we'll album? Them, and that's not the first one, but like Box Full of Letters, that song, and a few other songs that we kind of got so into. So you were, you were on right from the beginning with Wilco. We were a little bit sense. into it. Uncle, someone's like, you got to do Uncle, Uncle Tupelo. Tupelo. You got to check it out. Screen Door, we listened to that song. And it was, there was a rawness to it. And I, I, it's only, we can explain it because we went to a public high school in St. Louis. There were a lot of hicks in our, in our school, a lot of dirt bags and burnouts and, you know, a lot of kids who lived in like split level townhomes sure. who, you know, for whatever reason, those were our friends. Like they were, some were going somewhere and some weren't going anywhere. We were just in the mix with like all these people whose lives, divorced parents, they're never around guys smoking tons of shit and like skateboarding in the afternoon. Nothing wrong with it, but just, it was classic high school, public high school. And so when I heard the Uncle Tupelo, I'm like, oh, this is like if like Scott Denner and Denny Shea and this and Paul Safa and this guy, they all got together and they made a band and then they did this like they're, they're singing about shit that's kind of like the attitudes of the kids that we grew up with and understood. And so, for, but then there was this little bit of edge, which obviously was coming from Tweety, yeah. that was pushing the envelope into an alternative space. It wasn't just straightforward. Like this is where we go. Country. We're going tubing down the Merrimack River. There weren't song- it wasn't all just about songs like that. Whereas Jay Farrar, love his voice, a little bit deeper, much more Heard straightforward. For years, but I've never, you know never actually song? listened okay, to him. Okay, so Drown, Drown by, by Sunvolt. Sunvolt. Another band that it's like I've, okay. I've heard of. I've heard of Uncle Tupelo. I've heard of Sunvolt, especially when doing the research for this. It just was like, oh, I, I knew they were so, connected. So Sunvolt, I just like, didn't Drown, know how. The picture and uh, Loose String. Those three songs on that album are just fantastic. You know, he's super talented musically but there was something going on with Tweety that was a little bit different. Tweety just kind of had a little something else. Sure. No, and I believe that too. So then in 2001, 2002, I think uh, is when... This uh, album comes up? Is when this album... Well, let's just get get started with that because you brought us up to it. So our album is number 493 out of 500 and it is Wilco's 2002 release, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. All songs were written by Jeff Tweedy and Jay Bennett. All lyrics were written by Jeff Tweedy. Jeff Jeff Tweedy. Jeff Tweedy. Jeff Tweedy. Jeff, you mean Jeff Tweedy? Jeff Tweedy. Jeff Tweedy. And the album was self-produced. Yeah. It was mixed by Jim O'Rourke, but it was self-produced. So well, the the story of the album is quite amazing because they were paid to do the album. Yes. They made their money to do the album. Then they delivered the album. The and label the did not like. Label the said album. we don't like the album, and they dumped it. Yes, and it looked like they and they made a great demo- documentary called "I'm Trying to Break Your Heart" about that. This which is the first track, on which the album. which I would say I think this is a this is this is a double album because you have to watch that movie to really appreciate this record. But let's before we get into all of that. Did you think Wilco was going to be going into what they're calling an experimental direction? Because I didn't think this was experimental at first. When I was talking to one of my producers about this, I was like, "How is this experimental?" There's it's two or three moments. Country. Well, there are two or three no, no, moments. No, you listen, but, to but it. then when you listen, but this is the thing: is that you have to go back. You have to listen to summertime. You have to listen to summer be there. teeth. Yeah. Summer, summer teeth. teeth. You have to listen to what yeah. being there. Being, being there. there has, has to being there has being there kind like, of being there ramped to. 
There's to a couple this. moments. Yeah, so you guys were already into them yeah. with those two records. So now, what were you expecting, and what did you f- and what did you get when That's the first time you question. heard this this it's record? Great so, so here's the thing with a Wilco record, which you which you start to realize, and what I love is that, you know, at first. I liked certain moments in the record. It's almost like it's almost like the record is like an ocean and the moments I like were little islands sure. throughout the ocean. And I'm like, I like this song. I like this. I don't like how this ends. It's so discordant and really difficult to listen to. And it's just feedback. And I, why did they do this? I call that those moments, the moments at which my then wife, cause I was only married for one year. I'm like, these are the moments where my wife jumps off or where your wife's like not paying attention <laughs> to what's going on in the car. And she's like, what, what are we listening? Fu- what is going on? What the fuck, fuck are we listening Turn to? Turn this right shit now. off for Christ's sake. And like, all she hears like, right. But so, so there were a lot of beautiful songs and beautiful moments that they would then destroy with like discordant chaos, and and what was hard at the beginning, it's very hard to just sit down and just listen to the album because it it challenges you very and then, much and then what happens over time is the more you listen to it the more those parts become part of the whole and the islands become a long isthmus and then it becomes like this this whole thing that you can listen to start to finish and they make you work for it and then right. you earn it and then when you earn it you realize how much you actually love it and how much those parts were part of Tweety's, you know, and Jay Bennett was part of their the way they were feeling. They like, you know, they wanted to make something beautiful and then destroy it at the end. Yeah, they were just they were going through shit. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of that one time on tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks with Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Well, but the truth of the matter for me is when I heard it at first, I, I brought was, it over to your house. I bought it at Amoeba Records. Mm-hmm. I brought it over to Randy's ha- apartment that he was living with his wife mm-hmm. on Sycamore Avenue. Oh, so you're already out in L.A. at this point. Yeah, yeah, we're out okay. in L.A. because we came out in 99. So Randy and I, so I remember <laughs> listening over at his house and being like, God, you know, really digging some of the songs and some of the melodies. But saying, I loved this is difficult. I love for me. It was a Wilco album where I was like, God, there's so I heard. Like Jesus, etc. I heard uh, camera, and those are the ones that you're saying that stuck out right away. Yes. Right away, they were right really in, in, like totally to me, different. Pot, totally to me, different. Pot, kettle, pot black. kettle black. Yes, heavy metal drummer. Pot yes. kettle black. I'm the man who loves you. Sounded so, like a Beatles song to me, and something that I totally loved. There, there's, there's, there and are three the first songs. No, go so ahead. you go. No, I was going to say to to join with you is that you're naming the songs that you got drawn to first. I actually pulled back from, and then I found that heavy metal drummer. 
I on the man that loves you and pot, kettle, pot black. kettle black. Yeah. Just like I, I felt like, and even the last two, even though they're sad, they're like just they still so just oh. reservations. It's just so it just moves me. So I was more attracted to the poppier stuff, the other sad stuff. Uh, I think but, we were younger and we just didn't like we. I don't know. We. we I just kind of was like I, the for me the very first time I listened to an album, I'm like, what is the most complete song that I can latch onto the quickest? And and maybe sure. that's not smart, but like no, it's no, almost that's, like that's what we all do. It's, it's almost sweet. like you're falling down a hole. And you're just reaching for a toehold and a grab to like where you can connect with this album. Yes, you couldn't have said that any better. So that's this that's, song. Now I'm here. Now that this this is this this is yeah. How and then you listen to this one. And you start climbing up. And then you start climbing up over that song. Yeah. And you're into so it. Song. It truly. I was like, God. There are a lot of and I love the Wilco albums before being there. Especially there were like there are whole chunks of being there that I can listen to all the way through. And then there's a couple of songs where I'm like, I don't love this song. But like in Summer Teeth, maybe. Less songs that I loved And they were further apart I just remember this album The first time I heard it I was like Okay this is special This is really interesting And there's a There are a lot of songs That I want to kind of Dig into And I started to listen to it more And the lyrics start coming forward yeah. More Like to me I listen for melodies first And then Then I start connecting with lyrics I have to listen I, to it several times Dude I am trying to break your heart That is To me that is like Everything That Jeff Tweedy is Is, is in that song and in those lyrics like he as he's a musician outlined. as an artist he's trying to break your heart as a as yeah. a listener oh, also, oh and he does and, and he, he does. does also like who what i love about it is just that simple phrase i'm trying to break your heart nobody if you've been in a relationship with anybody nobody ever is like i'm gonna fuck you up i'm gonna i'm about to break your heart and then to follow that line with still i'd be lying if i said it I wasn't easy, easy. Yeah. meaning this is what i do this is what this is the currency i trade in i trade in breaking people's hearts that's what i do best i'd be lying to you if i said it wasn't a, a snap to i do am this to you okay, i am well, trying to break okay your well heart. let's let's ask you this question from that song yeah. is there a relate because this is about a tumultuous relationship sure, that sure. he ended because of how he fucked up mm-hmm. yeah is there a relationship that you know that you were the reason everything fucked up you that crashed yeah yes there were plenty of relationships yes yeah there was a point in time right before i met my wife okay back in 97 i've been with my wife now so long it's it's insane but like there were there were relationships i had with people where i knew I was like, this is not going anywhere. This is fun. This is great. And I knew the other person like wanted to bump it up. And I was just like, I am not there. Yeah. And part of me was like, I should just tell this person goodbye because that's what they want. It's not what I want. But I was like, fuck it. I'm just having too much fun. And this is too enjoyable. And you're I'm comfortable. Get- and right. it's also you might have I- dogs together. Well, yeah. No, I, mean, I, I can tell you one. I was 23. And I met this woman who uh, who was great, and I connected with her so much. Her mother had just died, like a month before, and she was living in her mom's apartment oh. yeah, up in New York. And and I just remember I was like, "This, I'm 23. All I want to do is really have fun and just be a dumb young person." I mean, that's a that's a heavy relationship to be in at such a but young it's age. Too much. She too wanted. Much. She much. wanted so much more. Maybe I was 24, but it was like she wanted so much more. And 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 I knew in my heart that I was going to break her heart because we were connected. We connected big time, and like you know, she wanted someone to instantly be in her life and be a support system for her and be there for her and I just couldn't do it. Yeah, and even Sad. and so like knowing that and then still calling her, that is what this song is about and it to me it like 
even like those two, there are like two melodic like piano riffs that sometimes that start to overlap in the song. Ding, ding. Even just the top of the song, it feels like they're turning on all the equipment. Pete, play a little bit of the fucking song for me. Pete's there somewhere. Doesn't it feel like they're turning the lights on the studio? Oh, yeah. I just love it. It's like an overture to the album when it comes on at the beginning. And there's something... I mean, what I love about this in this song, too, and this is another reason. Like As a comedian, I love this. Somewhere in the middle, as, as the song's winding down and it's just chaos at the end, he shouts out, I'm the man who loves you. Okay, so in this whole song, he's telling you, I'm, I'm going to break, break your, your heart. heart. I'm trying to break your heart. I'm trying to break your heart. Then he sings at the very end, which is maybe the most heartbreaking thing ever is like I'm pulling you back into this relationship by saying I'm the man who loves you which is a tease to a song that's going to come up nine songs later eight songs later as a comedian sometimes we drop moments and then later in the act it's it's a a callback he's almost doing a callback on his album but how beautiful is that like there are certain like Certain albums are worlds onto themselves. I think like the Hold Steady, uh, Mm -hmm. Boys and Girls Girls in America, America. and certainly the one Separation Sunday. Like those are albums. Separation Saturday. Separation Saturday, sorry. Sorry. Those are the albums that, you know, they create this universe and characters that keep popping up in songs and moments that come back to you. And I'm like that. You just did. This isn't just a collection of songs that you wrote in the last year. This is as we put together. And we all do. Like we've we've now done two hours, and we're working on our third hour. We've done two half hour stand up specials, done five albums. You work hard to craft the the material so that the set has a flow and makes sense, and you want people to listen to your album and like listen to it all the way through. Because yeah. there's a point at which, like, hey, the set's supposed to go up here and then down. It's like kind of here. It's it's middling around here, and then it goes really here. You want there to be those peaks and valleys and that thing to give the audience a second to catch their breath breath and then go into something new completely, and something different. Yeah, because if you agree. just kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him every moment, it's great. It's awesome. And and there are some things that just like David David Tell Skanks for the Memories, memories is thirty nine minutes, minutes of, of just, just destruction. Destruction, out yeah. and out destruction. But I don't think you could do that for an hour and ten. You'd be tired at like fifty. And the audience minutes. would be sure. tired and I don't know if they could handle it. Maybe. But like Well even even like you're watching some of the great comics now that are like that that always crush. It's like they they it's like it builds, it builds, it builds, it builds huge just laugh and then they restart and they it goes restart right down. so you have to because I don't, i've never seen anybody just that's what this, this album this does. album what it does sometimes is it like it gives you like an intense song that's hard to listen to that's i see what you're saying and then you give a light song and then it goes into camera but is camera really a light song no melodically it lyrically, is lyrically lyrically it is I need not a camera for my eye, eye. Yeah, to my, to my eye, to my eye. Uh, I thought this was this is a, a super catchy song. I want to play Pete. Play twenty five seconds in. Just 
Just that little yeah. part right there. Yeah. yeah. Just, just that, that little, little that little organ. fucking organ. It's an organ tickle. So, so, that organ tickle at that point again shows you how layered this music. But really this is. is, but this is what is funny about this song is I, I. So I respect what you guys are saying about the peaks and the valley. You know what I mean, going up yeah, and down. Yeah. But this is actually a song about asking for help. Yes. Right. It's about uh, his family who he mistreats or who retreats to when he can't handle himself by himself. So he's using his family as a bailout and a way to, to also, give I them need responsibility. A, I need a camera to my eye. I, I need someone to I show can't me trust, how. I can't trust the way I'm seeing the world that I need someone to take a picture of it so you can see what it is well, that I'm, because I'm not trustworthy. So I read this online and I really dig this. because You know the line, and no, it's not okay. okay so yeah. you just have to imagine the person on the other end of the phone being like, is everything okay? And, and he's like, and no. no, it's so not he's a- literally saying how fuck. He's like, dude, I'm fucked. I yeah. need your help. Okay, here's the question. And he repeats, no, it's not, not okay. okay. It becomes a mantra at the end of the song. Okay, which one of you more li- is more likely to ask for help when you actually need it? Mm. And why? I would say me. Yeah. I think I am more likely to. So, Randy, are you stubborn? Are you more of like a. I think I have this idea that. And I got to get away from it, but where like I got it, I got I got to handle it for everybody. I got to handle this. Sure. I got to shoulder everything for everybody. I got to take on this, and I got to take on that because I'm strong enough to do it. And I just you just got to like nose to the grindstone and just get it done. And don't ask for help because there are other people around me that need help. And so if I'm going to ask for help, that's going to fuck them I up a little that. bit. And no. so like I need to. Yeah, there's like a but, tiny piece of that that feels like a little bit selfish to to ask for help to be like I can't. I can't do this. Have you ever had a moment, guys, where you had to like, where you called the parents and were like, "I like, we're we're really in deep shit. Like, we're fuck. We need your help." Yes, I've called. I've I asked, and I'm sad about this. And to admit this is really sad. Like to help pay my bills this year because of what's been happening. I asked my mom to help me with some money this year. I'm 46 years old. I have kids. Like to to call home and ask my mom to help cover something to make it work. Uh, was hum like humiliating? Of course, I guess. I mean, it's I'm a father. To 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 not be able to handle that was, but I knew I needed the help, and I knew that I wasn't going to do it on my own, and I had exhausted every possible way. And I told my mom, "I'm going to pay you back," even though I knew maybe there's a way I there's I might sure. not. And I. I and then you asked, as a parent, we have kids. We'd be like, if our parents are, if our kids ever asked us for anything, we'd be like, yeah, of course. So my mom, ask. I didn't realize that I was giving my mom the gift of being able to say, I want, I can help you, and she could. Which but that I, is the other side of it, you know, is that. People, but I people yeah. do want to help when people come to me and ask me, I need help for whatever reason. It's can you like help me gift. with this, dude. I'm I'm. Like my mom has is continuously helped me out, yeah. and that's the reason I'm out here still. Yeah. And I hated asking, uh, but then on the flip side, uh, I'm on my mom's phone plan, and I'm gonna be on that shit till that woman dies. Yes. Like I'm riding that gravy train, and she's but, but, but so, so so as parents of kids, you, you have, what we can tell yeah. you is that when you have moments where you don't feel great, because I remember hanging up the phone with my mom when I asked for the money and crying because I felt terrible that like. I just was like, I can't believe that it's come to this point when in many ways I do feel like successful and I do feel like we are do we're doing everything we can and we're working as hard as we can. But I was like, that was a very hard moment for me. But on the other side, I look at my kids and I'm like, like Randy said, if, if your kids ask you for something and you can provide it, you feel like you're fulfilling your duty as a parent on this earth and you'll always be their parent until you die. And so I think for your in your situation, your mom probably feels joy in knowing that. I don't, th- I don't, th- 
<laughs> Every time I've had to call my mom for money, I get yelled at for five minutes and then, all right, I'm sending it. All right. <laughs> right. But I that's don't her- have the money, Josh. <laughs> You're bleeding me dry. I imagine I your mom has the right. same <laughs> voice as you. She does. I yeah. swear to God. She's like, Josh. She's like, Josh. what are you calling me for? Josh. You, you, you need money again? A lot of courage for Jeff Tweedy to, to do a song about how he needs help. And oh. something beautiful about the fact that the song, in many ways, certainly at the beginning, the, the beginning into the middle of it, uh, and I think it ends, actually, doesn't it end pretty? I, I don't know how. how they and end. no, I'm not no, okay. okay. And then it just here, so play, play the ending. So it just kind of ends in, and it, there isn't like the the discord and the difficulty come in the lyrics of this song. It just ends naturally, and then the next song is more of a slow, deep, not my favorite song. This was a hard one to listen to this for the past two So he's saying cheer up, up, honey, yeah. Cheer up, honey, I hope you can. There is something wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. My mind's filled with silvery stars, honey kisses, clouds of fluff, which is, uh, this is a song about his alcoholism or about Mm -hmm. an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, And I really didn't like this one. This was a hard one for me to fucking to really dive into. Nothing, not even about being like an addict. No, it's 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 like I could I can I can listen to the upbeat song about about asking for help, but not so so, now he's making you work. Okay, the beginning the beginning part is really hard, and he's making you work really hard, and they're making you work really hard, and then. There's a shift in the song. There's a shift in the middle of the song, and then it goes to oh distance. Long, that's, well, long that's distance, oh, distance has a way of making love understandable. Oh distance has a way of making love understandable. Oh, so so is so. But this is my confusion a little bit with the lyrics, and I don't know. I think he's saying. Long distance has a way, or O distance has a way. What? Something of kings and queens. In fact, distance makes love more difficult than ever. The cures over radio waves, transmitted voices of a lost love, do little to make love more sane. Tweety finds himself confused and hurt, detached from the one thing he hoped to hold on to. Right. So, you know, and again, by the way, that's the life of an artist. Of an artist. Especially a You go on the road, you know, it's, it's... Especially in 2002, pre-smartphone, pre-FaceTime, pre-all that stuff. You're out of sight, out of mind. You're in a different sure. world. And you're, and you're battling your own battles. Like, this is what's difficult about being an artist and a performer and, and leaving someone behind or even your family and your kids. You know, our work is fun, appears to be fun to the outside world, but it's hard. It is hard work to go stand on a stage and make a crowd laugh. You feel the pressure trying to do new material. You could always fail yeah. from an audience. Days, the whole day, even though you're, you're thinking not, to yourself, are we going to sell enough tickets? Are they going to be like, let's, we got to promote this thing. We got to make sure it you're doubting up. yourself, even though you've done this for the last a million times. Uh, yeah, you've done it a million times, but this is the one that's just going to hate you. You're going to so, eat it. And so, and, and you get through that night and yes, it's fun and people are laughing and they're hanging out with you afterwards. and They're posting pictures on Instagram and all that stuff about you. And from it to an outsider could look like you're just out having fun but really you're working super hard and it's hard to be away but then it is kind of fun it's a very complicated thing and so i do think that distance has a way of 
has no way of making love understandable. And then it has a way of making love completely understandable because if you do love yep. somebody and they're back there, you're like, I had this whole experience and this was great, but really, I can't wait to get. Home. I want to be back in this kitchen and I want to be with my wife. Or, or if they're able to be supportive of you in that moment and just be psyched for you, there is like your your love for them bursts through in an sure. unbelievable way. Completely. So truly, and awesome. then it goes to war, war, war on war, war, which is is one of my favorite songs. So good. Just well, they're gonna listen to the intro. I want everybody to hear the intro mm-hmm. real quick because it does how it just picks up. heard it a million times in from philosophers from from mm-hmm. spiritual guides mm-hmm. you have to learn how to die if you want to be alive mm-hmm. okay which i love that so so let me ask you guys both of you tell me about a moment that you got to realize how precious life was like what has put life into perspective for me it is it was like the car accident that i was yeah, in i was yeah, able oh to God, yeah, it didn't happen right away it happened six years later but i had to almost die and then six years later, put myself through it, through hell for the next six years, and then to be able to stop, have that breakthrough. So, where have you guys? Was it was it having kids? Is it is there a moment? Have you almost died? Is there something that? I mean, it's. I know it's a heavy look, question. Our, our, it's a heavy question. Our father was like a huge part of our lives, and then he died in two thousand nine. Yeah. He was not a healthy person. It is miraculous he lived as long as he lived. He lived to be sixty seven. That mm-hmm. is, for that dude, for as unhealthy as he was, just in terms, wasn't a smoker, wasn't a drinker, just ate, ate terribly. That like St. Louis pizza. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just why do you have cheddar just, on it? Yeah, what the like, fuck is up with it's that? It's Provel, which is a mixture of mozzarella. Provolone and, and Clydesdale jizz. All right. So anyway, so it's a bonding agent to keep it together. Um, here comes a king. Here comes the king of the run. Budweiser. So uh, he, so he just was. He was a lovely, amazing, great, great dad. Great person who believed in us and believed in what we were doing. And himself took a huge chance when we were in high school, bought his own, bought the family business and went a million dollars in debt because he was like, I bet on me. I bet on me that in 10 years, I'll pay all this back. He paid it back in seven years. He's like, cause I'm gonna work my ass off. Cause I love this. And he wasn't a guy who was like, I'm out running marathons. No, he loved the business cause he knew people and he would travel around and talk to people. He liked being the boss. He loved being the boss and it was just him in his element in so many great ways. So it was just very, and so when he, I think he saw what we were doing with ourselves, that the product that we were selling is ourselves sure. and the chance that we took was on ourselves and the bets we took were on ourselves. And I think he really loved it when he died. That was like, we knew it was coming because he was not well. He had cancer and we had two years to sort of prep ourselves for what was going to happen. And he it's, never, just, it's never easy. It's never easy. And you hate to lose him. I was happy that he was done suffering, but like, it just it made you say that there is an end to this. My wife and I lost a baby like pretty deep into a pregnancy, uh, like so much so that my wife actually gave birth to the baby. Oh man! In, in, in our house, like it was hanging out of her. I mean, it was so intense. Oh and man! Rushed home and we had to go to the hospital. I saw our little baby girl and she didn't make it, and it was heartbreaking and intense and my wife has created an entire thing around it and since then you told me about this we had our our talk yeah she she really has created something beautiful that's helped other women and people who have had losses and she's really turned it into something beautiful but 
you know, I realized in that moment, you know, I didn't know if we were ever going to have another child again. And, and fortunately, we were able to. And I just dropped my daughter off at school today. And I feel very lucky. There's a big gap between my kids ages because of this. But, you know, it's our reality. But it was like, no, it doesn't always go the way you plan it. Yeah. And no, it doesn't. You know, it doesn't when things like that happen and you don't expect them to happen, you are thrown for a loop. Like we, when our dad was passing, it was imminent. Like when phone calls would happen at night or at different times, I was like on guard and, and preparing myself for that end. I did not expect this to happen. Any of this wasn't a person in our lives, but it was, it was a hope and a, and a future that you imagined. And it died in that moment. And it was, hard and it was super hard and I was aware of that and I do think that songs and things that speak to that like I understood it in like a deeper deeper way and it definitely has like informed the way I understand how precious ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Who out there? Yes, we're out there, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimba the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! Also, I tell my kids, like, when we talk about death, my my daughter just lost a fish. Not a big deal, but, like... That's uh, heavy for... Three years, she had a betta fish, and we buried it, and... Always, I tell them. Beta was, fish lasted three years. Three years you got dude. your eight dollars worth. Well, I I'll say that listen. Much. I said thank you, Petco. <laughs> uh, no, I said you know. I said things can't live forever. Yeah, things can't live forever. That's what I tell my kids. If people live forever, then we wouldn't be in this house because the people who lived in this house at the We're very moment would, would still be here. Like things have because if you don't, if there isn't an end to things, then you won't appreciate the things while you're here. Completely. And so with the day, you got to learn how to die. Because living then is so much better. And that's what this song that's is a, essentially saying. That's a bookmark right there, yep. man. That's definitely a period. All right, let's move on to the to the next song, which is actually listen if I if Jesus, I do this et Jesus, etc. But this song, uh, Rolling Stone ranked it sixty seventh on the list of a hundred best songs of the two thousands. I think it's an unbelievable song. It is also the song that when you go to a Wilco concert, you are acutely aware this is the song that all the people who are just barely Wilco really? fans know every this word is of. The, I mean, this I, is every girl, I, every girl who's like annoying person who's like, don't, don't cry. cry. Yeah. You can't so I saw Tweety singing it to their friends. I saw Tweety live at Largo solo 
uh, in December, last December, uh-huh. and the guy Michael at Largo came out it's and he said the, the best, best the man. best opening speech. He's like, "Look, here's the deal. I know you guys love these songs. I know you know all the songs. You gotta shut the fuck up. No one wants to hear you sing it. Nobody came here to hear you sing these." So songs. I Tweety, took my, Tweety said that. No, no the, the guy Michael, who, the guy who's who the run, manager who runs manager Largo. Largo. Oh. So my and I, then Tweety came out and he was like, "I look out there and I see you guys and I, and I realize that I probably wouldn't be friends with any of you." <laughs> it was the funniest <laughs> thing that he ever said, and the crowd bristled, and he could tell they were bristling, and he. I couldn't tell if he was being funny or, or if he was like being honest and testing the waters. And so over the course of the night, he, he started to walk it back a little bit. He's like, yeah, maybe I'd hang out with somebody. Yeah, you guys are right. Yeah, he's already so no, right. He's like, that's more about me than but it is. But by the you. way, Michael was right. I mean, the guy from Largo. So I took my daughter, just my oldest daughter, to see Langhorn Slim at Largo. Okay. And the guy behind me was singing the whole time. And I just wanted to be like, shut the fuck. I did not pay to hear your crappy voice. All I want to do is hear this guy right now. I want to hear his crappy but, voice. But, Thank you. But, but Jeff really, Jesus don't cry. Jesus Don't Cry is a, or Jesus Etc. is a song that I sang to my kids like because I don't know lullabies and I would when I would hold That's my kids when I like little, that. and I'd sing that to my to my kids and like there's such beautiful moments like in that song first of all our the, love the, our love is all we have our love is all of God's money everyone is a burning sun so, I mean that's just saying well, by the way lo- love that's it that's all this is everything you were, we you were right the about thing. the stars you were right about the stars yeah. everyone is a burning sun, sun. This and America, Ashes of American Flags oh, are the man. two songs that, uh, I mean, and I don't so want to skip great... over Jesus, etc. But but these are the two songs that everybody thinks is about 9-11 because of a lot of the imagery Ooh, that they build. Oh, dude, it came, this was written before all of that. Yeah. The guy from Rolling Stone wrote, it's calming down the redemptive power of love and music with verses that anticipated the imagery of 9-11. And I mean... Anticipated uh, the imagery. What is it? What is it? Where isn't there a lyric in it where it's like you can't uh, rely on buildings, me, like tall buildings, skyscrapers, scrape, voices, voices escape, escape yeah. singing sad, sad songs, yeah. two, two chords. Strong down your cheeks, bitter melodies, turning orbit around. There, there is something in this in this song that is like I love how effortless his vocals are. I love how he's not pushing. Well, that's it. that's ev- that's every song. That's every he's song. Pu- but some songs he pushes. <laughs> Sometimes he really pushes. But I would say this song more than any because people are like, uh, how do you compare? Who who's Tweety in the in the great? Who's he comparable to? Uh-huh. A lot of people say Bob Dylan. There is something beautiful. This song has a moment and. Certainly with the strings when they go to plucking instead of simply playing. And there's something so beautiful and transcendent about this song that uh, Nora Jones does a cover of this, a live cover of this that is yeah. incredible. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. She's very, met I, her I very love, cool I girl. love her version of Black Hole Sun. Yes. Have you heard that? Yes. That's haunting, Unbelievable. Man. That's a, you know, this is like the midpoint of the album almost. Yeah. And, and they. It turns, definitely. There's a turn. And they turn. and they release you in this. They yeah, give you it is, something. It comforting. is like a quieting, comforting moment. So I love this song. So it's. I feel like it's. Uh, it's. It's because this is about like turning your orbit around back into happiness. Is about self care. Yeah. Uh, so what kind of self care measures do you guys take besides going meditate. to burning meditate? Yeah, meditate. That's the sh- I knew I that. I meditate every morning for twenty two minutes, and I Same. again was something that I wasn't. I got Jay, we got three meditators. I got Jay. I didn't it. meditate this morning Red. because I had to deal. I had to get do my final prep. So on we this, were the reason why you, you know could. when I do it now. Oh, that's why I, I'm a little nang champa nang champa nang champa. That's not my, yeah, I would never tell just, you guys my mantra. Don't you dare tell me my mantra. I would never. So I, my mantra I did it, I, I did it a while back. <laughs> I got into it and, and you know, the guy who kind of helped figure it out and helped me figure out you know, mantra and all that other stuff. Really good dude. Tao Burkhardt is his name. Just a brilliant, sweet, 
if one of our friends did it, you'd, it, it doesn't feel outside the circle of people. And I always felt like ma- like meditation is like masturbation. The second you figure out that it's in your power to, to give yourself pleasure or give yourself or You're like, oh, I'm going to do this for the rest of my life. Oh, yeah, I'm going to do it. Yep. And so <laughs> every yep. day, twice every a day. morning, every morning, <laughs> every morning, I set my alarm for six in the morning. And what I used to do was because I got to get my kids up and I do the morning. I let my wife take it off and I do the morning, get their breakfast, get their lunches make the coffee take put the dishes away from the night before get the dog fed everything get them ready get them going i know i'm gonna do that i gotta start at 6 45 the old me would have snoozed it all the way to 6 45 now at six i get sit right up in my bed close my eyes you know support my neck it's not sitting back and i do 22 minutes okay then i go back down to sleep until 6 45 so the 23 minutes i get from 6 22 to 6 45 those 23 minutes are the deepest sleep i have the whole night it's you do have to take care of yourself because i mean it's the old dumb thing of like, i mean i'm doing say, a ton of cocaine yeah, yeah but, I mean, but, I, what, but I, i'm I so know. glad i dropped it's the literally drink there's just like <laughs> i don't want to do it I'm I'm snorting, like, right, give me a you. give me a nummy real quick <laughs> just a gummy nummy <laughs> nummy <right>. gummy nummy <laughs> uh wait so the is the next song ashes of america it is angel we call it angels ashes of American okay, flag. can I talk about this sound? And this, all the falling leaves. Please. Filling up shopping This bags. is a song which I've gotten to understand. Me and David went back and forth. Big, black, beautiful David. Uh, the song is about renewal, reincarnation, and rebirth. Nobody gives a fuck. I love the subtle noise. Nobody listens to poets. I love the subtle noise. Uh... There's, there's just this song. This song is, uh, is, it's just jangling keys. This is the culmination. I feel of, of the where the rift, and you can see it in the movie, the rift between Jeff Tweedy and and Jay Bennett Bennett came in. Because, and and I think Jay wanted more songs like Jesus, etc. And Tweedy was like, it's got to go this way. And I'll say this. No, I I think no. I think it's the other way. way. Do you really, Jay Bennett? This is Jay Bennett put all this this extra layers. This is a Jay Bennett record more than it's a Jeff Tweedy record. When when Jeff, listen, I'm not putting down Jeff Tweedy's songwriting. I think he is he is a fucking you know he's a genius at what he's doing at at alt country. And uh, but I'll tell you the truth. I think uh, Jay Bennett is this band's Johnny Greenwood from Radio. Wow! If this is this pre-record, so if this is their OK computer, a ghost is born is not their kid A. No, do you see what I'm saying? Because yeah, because Jay because Bennett left. I buy that. I buy that. So here, fuck yeah, Jay Bennett. I mean, I all my lies are always wishes. All my lies are always, always wishes. wishes, and it's, it's a reoccur- in- it's a reoccurring theme for him. He's, he's always just, this motherfucker lies. Uh, I know I would die if I could come back, back new. All right, so let's ask you guys this question. Mm-hmm. Do you guys lie to influence the future? And Always. is that wrong? Yes, we yes. lie to ourselves. I lie to myself and be like, this is going to work out. But you, <laughs> I mean, I tell lies. I mean, yes. look, you got to. Don't you? You know it. Like, I know it. Even though I, I believe it. it. Here's the thing. Here's the, this, this is a subtle you difference. It. I believe, I believe in ourselves and I believe in, in everything that we're doing. I don't believe in the system that the system. Will. I don't believe that either. But so, I, but I feel like that we can we can. I have to believe that this project is going to go somewhere. Yep. I have to believe that, and I do believe it. And I did believe that the goddamn comedy jam will go somewhere. And so, it did. But it did. But what I'm saying is, I just had to stop playing by everybody else's rules right. and just say, I'm going to create my own lane. If they don't want to fuck with me, I got to fuck with myself because yep. I'm my I'm my only fan. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to probably the catchiest song on the record. I'm the man. Heavy who loves metal oh, no, drummer. Number seven. Heavy I metal. sincerely miss yeah. those heavy metal bands. 
you think I see by the landing in the summer. Which you guys have been to. That's what we mentioned. The Sklar brothers went down to see Jimmy Cliff. They took a joy and they smoked it in the summer. They smoked it in the alley. And then Randy got sick and Jay went in. Jay went in. Uh, they were the only Then their dad to... picked them up because they had a flat tire. <laughs> and then they got food on the way home. Oh, they stopped <laughs> off at a Noggles. They stopped <laughs> off at a Noggles. They stopped <laughs> off at. <laughs> it was. So... I don't even know what a Noggles is. <laughs> Noggles. Noggles was a a like Taco Bell type place that had a giant like weird roof to it. But so here, here's the deal, you know, this song is for us, you know, it is the poppiest song on the album. But it does of all the songs this album because we grew up in St. Louis, because we went down to the landing in the summer, because we know what Jeff is talking about, and probably did it in the same, same era. era as him. Sure. Maybe he's like only like, maybe like three or four years older than us, five years older than us. But like that was like. The Landing in the Summer was this special place. It was a cool, in St. Louis, a, a city that didn't have a lot of cool places in the 80s, you know, to go down to Mississippi Nights and see bands and see, you know, in his case, heavy metal drummers. In our case, you know, Roots bands and stuff like that that meant something to us. There was, there was a feeling that you had escaped St. Louis. I know he came from across the river. He was in southern Illinois, but that's still part of the St. Louis area. But, like, to come there, there you had this moment where, like, these national acts... These, these bands are coming through St. Louis. Sure. They're helping you escape whatever mundane crap. Or show you what the outside world is. Yeah. And for oh, those I... kids, he, he grew up poor. Definitely grew up poor. Sure. I mean, we grew up lower middle class. That's where we grew up. And the fact that like we could escape down. Because a lot of kids at our high school, we came from the suburbs. They wouldn't go downtown. They wouldn't go to these places. We were among the few people who actually ventured outside of our little community and went down to these places. And you'd go down there and you were like... There's artistry coming in through here from other places. And that's, to me, what this song always reminds me of, regardless of how popular it is. It's like a summer okay. music festival. It's about your innocence. It's mm -hmm. about how the beautiful is. What do you do in the later part of your life to keep that innocence that you had in your childhood? I actually take a lot of cues from my wife, who who followed the Grateful Dead around for, like, went to 165 yeah. Dead and mm -hmm. Jerry shows. After high school, she lived on a converted school bus in Santa Cruz and worked, a a, and worked on a sauerkraut factory. And a, and Did you say a, a sauerkraut factory? Organic sauerkraut factory and clean hot tubs. And she like lived on a converted school bus. So she has this desire to want to access all those things. And I'm always like, I better listen to her because she does. She's know got it right. She's, She's got, got it right. figured out. And so like I do follow her lead. For me, I actually, one way that I stay sort of, I love the Innocence Young, is sharing with my kid with my son especially before he goes to sleep we always have little moments where i'll play him comedy thing sketches on youtube like old yeah like, yeah, yeah. Like Which is the best. Stuff. for him to to watch him find something funny that i find funny or find something new or see things that i've loved my whole life through his eyes amazing uh it is amazing and then sometimes we will lay in bed and just do improv like little things where i'm like you know let's do an improv before we go to sleep instead of telling a story and i'll just be like uh so it's weird that uh, that you that you don't sell surfboards here anymore. You used to sell surfboards. And he's like, yeah, we forgot. We stopped doing that. Oh, it's All of great. a sudden, now we're into a little scene. And so I, that is something Next that thing I you know, do. you guys are performing on Saturday <laughs> yeah. night, midnight show at UCB. Well, he understands it. He understands <laughs> it. <laughs> you better hear Jesus yelling at this kid. All right, don't fuck this up like you did last Saturday. Be in the moment. Be in the moment. moment. Stage, Dad. Yes, and. Yes, and. He's yes, like a and. yes, and. Yes, and. <laughs> Yes, I'm going to give you a no, but no, I, I'll give you a yes. And. I, but I agree with that. I mean, one 
one of the things that's really brought the innocence back into my life is having a dog. And I know that's I'm not comparing it to having a child, no, but, but just the yes. fact that I look at that dog and I, I just go, "Hey, David," and I just start talking and in yeah, lack of language. Get down it on just, the, you get down on the ground, or you see the dog. You do something for your dog. That you know brings the dog joy. Maybe yeah. you take it for a walk. Maybe you buy a special treat. Maybe you do lay down and, and just petting the dog. There's a moment where you're like, there's innocence here. There's beauty here. And I'm going to enjoy it yep. on and, the same level. So exactly. I want I want you guys to hear this. And we're gonna, I want the, the audience to hear this. Because this is, I, before we move on to the next song, I want to tell you what I think the star of uh, this song is. It's not the lyrics. It's not anything. But it's literally the bass line yes. in Heavy Metal Drummer. That slide. Boom. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That slide in that my slide opinion, base is just the beautiful. slide of going Yeah, it's I mean that's amazing. And only someone who knows music, music. would fully understand. Like I love that you picked that up because and then the drums with this little like half beat. That's What's interesting. I love at the very drums. end of the song. Well, the drums. Uh, it's the the song is called Heavy Metal Drummer, and it is very clearly a drum machine playing in this song in a lot of parts. Don't you feel? Well, the beginning they have that dropout. That's the part that Jay Bennett and because uh, there's there's no break in between. Uh, ashes of American flags into heavy metal drummer, so it just goes into the noise. Then it drops. You hear that weird electronic drum beat, and then you hear the uh, the um, the actual piano, and the whole song comes in. Funny thing, and uh, before I move on to the next song, I was gonna do this. It sounds facts. a little like Ice Ice Baby at the end of the song. So people are saying that this is about this is about the heavy metal drummer. This is about is about Bobby Blotzer of Rat. Oh, nice. Because he has bleach blonde hair and a double kick drum. Wow, nice. And I'm pretty sure he was stoned. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. All right. uh, uh, let's move on. Because the next song on. to me feels the most like a Beatles song. It feels, uh, this is I'm the Man Who Loves You. I'm Kurt. the Man Who Loves You. Yeah. It's a beautiful song. This it's my is favorite. Uh, horns. The, the horns in this song are just beautiful. It's The just, intro The intro is my favorite part of the song. Just heavy the, metal. Wow. You're like, is it going to start? Wow, wow, wow. But then the... It sounds like you're starting a car. Is I going to start this car? And then it goes all acoustic. black and white and white and something. Feels like we're on a marching band, right? Like we're in a marching band. Which is about all right. So let's get into. So it. I sent this. So I put this song on a mix for my wife, and I think it was. Of course like, you did. It was yeah. when I was just dating her and courting her. You didn't I know what to say on paper. So I mean, you, had, I you wanted to go and hold you their made tapes. You made mixtapes. No, 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 no. But that's what we did. That's yeah. what you did, and that's what he's saying in this song. He's like, listen, I can't. He's like, I can't write how I love you. I can't write like what I'm going I just through. Am but the he's man like, who does. yeah, but I love you, and he's like, so if you, but but I can show you. So get over here and let me hold your hand. Hold your hand. And I'll show you that I love you. Yeah, Thank you. I understand. Yeah. All right. So, so pot kettle black. I think it rips. Uh, I love. Mm. I love this song so God, much. It feels like you're on an ocean. Like just, just, just riding the the the, the strings, and you're riding the tops. And of there's waves. like a moment where they pull everything away, and they just have that ching 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 ching. That little like uh, shaker in there, and that's, oh, that's like great. the beginning of it. So. In Tied in a knot, but I'm not uh, gonna get caught. caught calling the pot, pot kettle black. It's about being a hypocrite. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's about just calling somebody out. So, uh, what ways are you guys hypocritical? 
I'm probably hypocritical a little bit politically. I mean, I definitely am trying not to be, but there's like a moment where I'm like, oh, it's okay if like the person's a bad person, but they come from the left. Because I'm like, well, at least their their values are in the right place. Well, that's being a little hypocritical. I wish I was better about that. I wish I could call it out more. Sometimes I'm hypocritical with my kids. Like, I'll just get really mad at them about acting a certain way, and I realize my job is to make them better people and whatnot. But or then- tell them, like, hey, you're not doing drugs. Like, there's a there's part of you where you're like, hey, I don't want you to do any drugs because I'm fearful of, mm. of you being too young and being able to handle it when I myself will... I've started to change the discussion with them and and say, like, you're not ready. You can't handle it. And, like, later in life we can talk about it. But right now you're just not ready. And so, you know, again, you worry about, like, your kids getting addicted to things and this and that. But I I think for me, like, just telling them – I get mad at them for behaving a certain way. And then here I am just all of a sudden, like, laying the hammer down on them in ways that because I can, because I'm bigger, because I'm more authoritative. And I'm like, well, that's not – yeah, I can get it right and I can kind of win this little battle right here. But what am I doing? Like – that is hypocritical. Like I got to find a different way to handle this. Now you can always, it's always good to sit, show the boundary and be disciplinarian. But you know, there, there are definite times on a daily basis when I need to not be hypocritical. No, yeah. completely. Pot calling the kettle, Pot kettle black. black. This song is just so beautiful and it ends so beautifully. It just comes to a crescendo. Everything, with like yeah, strings everything every song is a cutback. Every, every moment's a little bit later. Yep. You talk about beautiful songwriting. Like that is the most simple, most obvious thing that someone can say. And yet it means everything. It reminds me a lot of Hemingway. When you read a Hemingway passage and a Fitzgerald passage, those guys were Fitzgerald was like a beautiful, long, muscular prose yeah, that yeah. goes out of... Hemingway would write when Hemingway had writer's block. And this is what we I I remember this. I took a class at University of Michigan from a guy who hung out with Hemingway, knew Hemingway. And he said when Hemingway would have writer's block, the one thing he would do is he would sit in his room, whatever country he was in. He would stare at the wall and he would try and write the most true thing. he could Most honest, the most true statement he could write. And then everything would spring out of that. And that's funny because when you we talk about being stuck, being able to write comedy, you say, well, what's 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 the the truth truth that I know? I've never even thought I want to do that from here on. That's how I'm going to start that when you feel blocked, be like, what's a super truth in my life right now? Wow. And you start out of that and then believe in it. Here's the truth. Women be shopping. Women be. <laughs> Man, black people do. Thing. Black people do sleep like this. White people. And white people like sleep this. like that. Women Porn, Satan, drugs, therapy. It's not just the list of what I'm up to this weekend. I'm comedian Kiki Anderson, and those are just a handful of the taboo topics I've poked and prodded at so far on my podcast, Indecent, the show where we peel at the wallpaper of polite society. Each episode digs into the dark underbelly of our culture to dissect the things we aren't allowed to talk about around the dinner table. Featuring conversations with comedians, activists, journalists, academics, they all help me figure out the who, what, and why behind what is and isn't acceptable behavior. Indecent with Kiki Anderson, where NSFW meets LMAO. Jay and I saw this documentary. It was a Tweety documentary about... Him, him doing live solo show. and so I think he was at like the I want to say Portland at the Crystal Ballroom or somewhere maybe he's in San Francisco I can't remember like they basically show this whole concert and he's in the concert and he's playing and there's some women that are just talking in the middle of a very soft acoustic song and he stops okay and as performers and comedians I just this, I this, moment, this moment made me love him yeah. so much more and he's like what are you doing he stops the whole concert he's like what are you doing? 
if you why are you here talking during this thing right here? You're kind of ruining it for everybody around you. Go outside, get the fuck out of here. Like don't come in here. This isn't about you. This is about you because it's about everybody collectively enjoying this, but he has license to do that because he writes songs like this. And so I'm like let the yes don't talk because what if you're you know, I always worry about like when people you know people who are like drunk in a comedy audience are like I was helping you and you're like no we didn't ask you <laughs> no to do that was, we no. didn't write our bit being like okay and then a drunk person in the crowd says something here and then we go on there <laughs> I was helping you I was helping you you're like no you weren't helping me alright here's here's the big question what, al- what song do we cut from this record to make it a perfect album what song needs to go I mean I would cut the second to last song that was my thing. Yeah. I'll cut poor places. I don't think you need it. But that's just me. And I think I, the others. Yeah. Uh, that That's that's the one I would cut. Who, right. who do you think? What do you think? Um, I probably. Ra- I, Radio Cure. Radio it just, Cure. It just is, yeah. That really just drags for me. Yeah. Okay. All right. But you guys want to do a few facts and then we'll get you out of here. Sure. Fact. Okay, I got to wait. I got to sing it. Fact. Who wants some facts? Let's. Ha- I keep singing that song. Give me a different yeah, one to sing yeah. facts um, to. Um, Jason and Randy, here come the facty facts. Here, <laughs> here are the facts, and here are the facts. Here are the facts. I First fact: This album. Answer. I fell in love with an answer. <laughs> I fell in love. First fact is this album was supposed to come out on September 11th, but then something happened. I think it was well, no, the Michael so- Jordan press conference that he was going to be coming back to be a Washington Wizard. Maybe. Yeah. Or I just think that there. Remember, there the whole documentary was about how their album dropped and they sold it again. They sold it twice. That's well. That's the second fact is that uh, this album was originally made and they were paid eighty four thousand dollars to make it from Warner Brothers. Prize, mm-hmm. and then and this one. This will blend in the second fact because of a merger between AOL and Time Warner. Time Warner market share value had dropped, so they lost about a five percent in the mid nineties. So the executives ordered that six hundred jobs get terminated, and one of them was Howie Klein, the president of Reprise Records, and he was the guy that backed them. Mm-hmm. He was like their biggest believer, which is going to answer, which is going to bring into a question because I can say it. It's the same situation that happened at Comedy Central with Gary Mann. He was our biggest supporter. Sure, what project? Uh, okay. What project did you believe in that somebody believed in? And either they went away or just the project the that you, thing. you right. believed our in. Show, so our MTV. first show, we had a show on MTV called Apartment 2F in 1997. Are, why, yeah. do I, why does that sound familiar? Galifianakis was on that show. Stephen Colbert was on the first episode of that show. The Amy Poehler and UCB were on that collectively. Jeff Ross was on the show. Who Bill did Burr. stand up on the show? Bill Burr did that show. Pat Oswalt, uh, Arch, Arch Barker, Barker Arch Patrice Barker, O'Neill, Patrice, may rest in exactly. peace. Exactly. All these, like Jim Norton, all these people did stand up on it. Amazing. Michael Showalter was a cast member. Amazing show. Uh, our executive over the in charge of it was Lisa Berger. She's amazing. She's out here now, and she's I don't know who, where she, she works now. E for a while, and, e for then, a while. And, then, and then Brian Graydon came over from Comedy Central, the executive who, who developed and sold and developed South Park, and like so came over to MTV. ten episodes into our first thirteen episode season. Brian Grazer came in, and Lisa Berger was like, "Fuck this! I'm not having anybody over me." She left, and then he was like, "We are not doing shows that." That aren't like is, destroy. Is that your Yankee Hotel Foxtrot? I don't know. About that. What's no. your Yankee Hotel? Cheap seats. Cheap seats. Was cheap me. seats. I, I love, think was. I love that. Cheap so seats was, was a our Yankee show, Hotel. and they and they ended. You know, they closed Classic down. Yeah. We had seventy-seven episodes. We wanted to yeah, do we'll a hundred episodes of that show. We did seventy-seven. So it's I mean, fucking we, great. We do appreciate it. That we could, it's amazing. All right, I got two. <laughs> this one's kind of funny. Jeff Tweedy converted to Judaism for his wife. I just like that one. Did he I do that? that? It says Jeff Tweedy oh, converted oh to Judaism. I love you more. Baruch Atah Adonai Eloheinu Melech Haolam Asher Haolam 
Also, I love this fact right here. So, on Jeff was about to attempt his first solo record, mm-hmm. but he was thwarted because he decided to form a band with his son instead. All right. Now, here is the question. Called uh, Tweety. No. Are your kids talented? <laughs> <laughs> uh, my son's more musically talented than me. I Play don't know. Piano. I can just say that my daughter, who's 13, who did Groundlings this past year, and she's a really – I think she's a talented actress. I've told her you need to be a director because you need to put yourself in things. And yeah. You need to like take control of the situation because sitting around and waiting for people to call you, not good and not fun, and I can tell you that's going to be a rough life. But if you get into control of the stuff that you're doing sure. – I think she is talented. I really do. My she other, is. She is. She's, she's got great instincts. She's really, she cares a lot about it, and she is. She feels. I'm like, you feel, and you're an emotional person, so you are going to be great. And so, I mean, who knows where it goes, and I am certainly not going to push her where she's going. And, and then my youngest daughter is like a super talented gymnast, like super talented, she like is. plays fifth in the region, went to wow. Salt Lake City for her age. And I kind of love being like, because I hate all the other gymnastics parents. I, I like the girls, the parents in our gym, but like you go out and I just hate them all. And I'm like, you come from it. a different place. Man. <laughs> my son's really good at Fortnite. Yeah. Thanks, guys. That's all our right. show. That's uh, our show. There we Tonight, go. Everybody. And then we're going to close it with this, with the with the Where Are They Now. This is written by the big, black, beautiful David Ross. After the fall and rise of Wilco through the release of their pivotal album, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot, they let their bandmate Jay Bennett go. Jay Bennett played a plethora of instruments on this album, and I truly believe that without his songwriting, that sound that made this album unique, which was very much equivalent to a wave crashing upon a beach, mm-hmm. would be absent. Yep. And so Bennett from this earth, and so is Bennett from this earth. He died. He died in 2009 from an overdose of painkillers. Meanwhile, his band, the band, lives on. They've released six albums: A Ghost Is Born in 2004, Sky Blue Sky 2007, Wilco the album, uh, The Whole Whole Love, Love, Star Wars, and Schmilko. All of which were nominated for a Grammy, but only Ghost is Born brought in two actual wins for Best Alternative Music Album. So Yankee Hotel Foxtrot didn't win the Grammy? Wasn't nominated for anything. Yeah, isn't that crazy? And on September 24th of this year, Tweedy is releasing the single Some Birds from his upcoming solo album, Warm. And in the end, this is always asked Dave to write this question. In the end, I felt like this was all about Jeff Tweedy anyway from the beginning. Do you guys believe that? I mean, I think the sentiments in the album were deeply personal to Tweety. And you're seeing a person just lay themselves bare with all their problems and all their issues and all the things that they have through the music and through the songs and through the lyrics. But I agree with you now that Jay Bennett is the person who... I would say that... He laid... He took Tweety's pain that he put through the lyrics of the song and literally amplified it with the beautiful layers of what he put in. So there. I will I'll compare it to uh, a director and a DP. Okay. Please. So I would say that Jeff Tweedy is Guillermo del Toro. And let's just say this album is Pan's Labyrinth. Okay. He knew what he was doing and he, and he helped, you know, he wrote he had it a vision, but someone had to set but the, the DP set the shots. Who, Lebetsky or Lou, Lou, that, I don't that know dude, that it's that yeah, dude that yes, was one like three yes, years in a row. Yes. So that guy created and set the mood and, and helped fulfill the vision 
of Guillermo del Toro. Without him, I don't know if you make the same movie. I don't know if it feels the exact same way. You got to give Jay Bennett, Jay Bennett the credit as maybe the DP, not the director. You give yeah because you're you like Tweety the director Jay, and the writer. Between that time and there. Did Jay what Bennett did, ever like step out? And I release? liked his solo album. I like. I never heard Gold. it. I, think I, I thought the, the saddest album. thing in the documentary was when he was like, "So you know, he was he he felt threatened by me." And then <clears throat> he leaves, and the next shot is of him playing in a bar with no. to like with nobody in it, or at least we don't see the people. And his song didn't sound bad. No, no, no he's but good. But it's just, but it's just like you have to start over. Yeah. Especially he wasn't. If Jeff Tweedy wants to go solo, everybody knows. Mm. But Jay Bennett, who is this really it's hard. Brilliant guy. I mean, in the documentary, I saw it. And through the reading that me and David have done, I saw that I feel like this album is good because of Jay. I think if Jay's not involved, this is just, you know, it's just a Ghost is Born part two. Well, but I think Jeff Tweedy set it up on the T. And then Jay sure. Bennett was able to hit it out sure, there. I and so like, agree, could yeah. Jeff have set it up or hit it as far as he hit it if it wasn't <clears> teed up there? Obviously not. So he so you know, Jeff Tweedy set it up on the T and then Jay was able to hit it up. This is fucking fantastic, guys. Thanks, dude. Thank dude, you guys. This, what a treat. Jesus don't cry. You can rely on me, honey. You can combine anything you want. I'll be around you right about the start. I mean that was fantastic. I just want to thank my brothers Randy and Jay for being so open and so honest on this podcast. I love those guys to death. So for all things Sklar Brothers, go to their website, supersklars.com, and you can find them on all social media, Sklar Brothers. Listen to their podcast, Dumb People Town, and View from the Cheap Seats, and you can find it any place you guys get your podcasts. Also, check out their special, Hipster Ghost. It's on Stars, and it's fantastic. On January 11th, in San Francisco at Sketchfest, they're going to be doing a live Dumb People Town at Cobbs. And this Thursday, so tomorrow night, they're going to be headlining Flappers Burbank, and you can find tickets on each respective site for Sketchfest and for Flappers Burbank, or you can go directly to their website. I'm also posting the track listing to their mixtape that they made for you guys on all social media and on all the music platforms, guys. And uh, it's fantastic because this is two people making a playlist for you guys. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com and follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media. We also created a club for you. It's called the 500 Club, guys. Sign up for the 500 Club. You'll get merch, t-shirt, hoodies, live chats with me and my guests. And you'll also get the podcast a day early. Why wouldn't you want that? You should do it. Join the movement. The 500 Club is this shit. You can do it at the500podcast.com backslash club. And that'll give you all the details for our Patreon membership. So support the 500 because this takes a lot of work. And, you know, I got to pay these fucking editors, dude. Now, you just listened to Wilco from 2001. Now, here is an artist that is directly influenced by this album. From Cumberland, Maryland, close to where I grew up. We have Michael Now with Less Than Positive. I fucking love this song, guys, and I think you will too. 
All of his details you can find on our website. And if you guys were in a band and were directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured at the end of the 500, send your song to 500podcast at gmail.com. Make sure you put the album and the artist that influenced you in the subject and we will hook your ass up, dude. Next week is Eurythmics Week with their 1983 release, Touch. So you guys got some homework to do. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. King of Fleece, out. Somebody get my tea ready.
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. Hey, you. Did you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Did you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, and my good friends, Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony, also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2 020-D.com, SoundTalentMedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app. Next Chapter Podcasts.